like this idea of flow. Hold, please. <laughs> Talk about not being in a flow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we were so much in a flow, then we got out of a different flow. <laughs> You're listening to Becoming Wildly Resilient, brought to you by University of Kentucky Human Resources, Health and Wellness. In this series, we'll explore a variety of well-being topics with experts from the university community in physical, emotional, nutritional, and financial health. Join us, and together we'll discover how we can thrive at work, home, and beyond. Hey there, listener. Welcome to another episode of Becoming Wildly Resilient. I'm your host, Jacob Hester, and I'm grateful you're joining me. So when was the last time that you felt truly alive when you were deeply engaged, connected, and focused? You may find that it's been a while, or even if it was fairly recent, it may have been difficult to recall. If either of these describe your experience, you're not alone. As I mentioned in the last two episodes, some of my colleagues and I recently read author Catherine Price's new book called The Power of Fun, How to Feel Alive Again. In it, she details the idea of true fun, which she defines as the magical confluence of playfulness, connection, and flow. Because the book resonated so well with us, I decided to dedicate three episodes to exploring true fun through conversations on playfulness, connection, and flow. This month's episode is the final episode of the three-part series. And you guessed it, we'll be talking about flow. The other voice you heard at the beginning may sound familiar to our regular listeners. That's Amy Rodkus cadet who we heard from in episode 7, From Feelings to Needs. Amy is one of my colleagues in University of Kentucky HR Health and Wellness, and she's a national board certified health coach and is not afraid to don a costume to liven up a place. In this conversation, you'll hear us discuss the benefits and subjective nature of flow, what inhibits flow, some tools and tips for finding your flow at work, home, or with others, and ideas for how you can start feeling more alive again. Before you head into our conversation, I just want to give you two quick reminders. The first is to hit the follow button wherever you may be listening so that you don't miss any future episodes. The second is to listen through the outro to hear about some additional opportunities to further explore playfulness, connection, and flow from May 9th through the 27th. And now, here's my conversation with Amy Rodkos cadet Welcome, Amy. So happy to have you back on the show to close out our series on True Fun by talking about the idea of flow. I am so happy to be here, Jacob. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited you're in town, too. You're one of like the original people who work off-site and out-of-state, so um, we're really excited to have you on campus for once, and we pushed up our recording date just so that we could do this together because um, it's a little more fun and we don't get to see each other very often. So I'm glad to have you here physically, too. Thank you. It was worth the 14-hour road trip. And thanks for the good weather. Yeah. It was great. I'm glad you didn't bring your weather. I know. No, for sure, no. Yeah, so first, for those who didn't catch your first episode or don't know you, um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your story? So a little about yourself and what you do. Yeah, so I'm Amy Radquist Cadet. I am a health coach and wellness specialist here at UK Health and Wellness, and I have a great job. I think I've got one of the best on campus in that I get to support folks um, that are feeling overwhelmed, stressed out, disconnected from their sense of meaning and purpose. And so I get to do health coaching and consults. I teach some classes, um, all to really support folks to live their best life. And should I talk about myself personally? Sure, go for it. (laughs) I am um, a mom of a teenager and two twins that are toddlers. So a lot going on in the home life. Um, I live in Minnesota, so I feel really grateful I get to commute remotely, I guess, so to speak. And um, I love iced coffee and aromatherapy and long distance swimming and dancing in my kitchen. Perfect. We'll probably bring a few of those up in this conversation on flow and true fun as well. For sure. But as I mentioned in the intro, we're finishing up our conversation on true fun today, which if you didn't catch the first two episodes, um, author Catherine Price in her book, The Power of Fun, defines it as this magical confluence of playfulness, connection, and flow. So can you tell us about a recent time you experienced playful, connected flow? 
Oh my goodness. So I was thinking about this and the first thing that came to mind was something that happened a few months ago. The Twin Cities Marathon is a big, beautiful marathon um, up in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And my sister and I were a little bit zany. And so for the last uh, four years, we have been spectators at the marathon and we dress in costume and we carry a sign and we bring cowbells and we are wild. So folks are coming by running the marathon and we're in ketchup and mustard. I am mustard, she's ketchup. And we um, call out people's names. Anybody who's attended a marathon before, you can, you know, people identify with sports teams they like or political affiliations or their names right on their sash. And so we excitedly call out their names and we also have a sign that says smile if you're not wearing underwear. And this is a really big crowd pleaser because people are a little embarrassed once they read the sign. And so we're like, let's go Melinda. Oh, I saw that smile Melinda. We know what's happening for you. Hey Bob, Bob's a Packers fan. Go Bob, looking strong. So it's this like, I didn't quite understand what was happening for me in that experience until I read this true fun book. And I was like, oh, I get it now. Because there's connection with my sister who's doing this right along with me, the people who are on the course. There's also a sense of flow because it's happening really fast. So I've got to like see the person's name, make up something about them, say that thing, and then get on to the next person. And there's certainly playfulness because I'm in a, you know, a ketchup and mustard outfit. So I, we only do this for like two or three hours. And afterwards, I feel like I could climb a mountain. Like I am so in the zone. I feel so energized, so refreshed. It is one of my most favorite things to do. So if I could somehow commodify this experience, I would do it. Like how can I make money to be a professional, like, you know, marathon cheerer? Um, but for now, I'm going to keep doing it. So that's a recent example of true fun for me. And we need to get on that business model before somebody listening to this <laughs> capitalizes on I it know, first. We should probably get that out there pretty quickly. Yes. Um, I, and I have to ask the follow-up question of why, why did you choose mustard and why did your sister choose ketchup or did you choose? Um, that's a great question. My sister, hi, miss. Hope you're not listening. She's like, I look terrible in yellow. I was like, all right, I'll be mustard. So <laughs> we look the same. We're sisters. But she, she wanted red. So... I said, sure. I was hoping there was like a, a good psychological reason as to why you all chose them or like one really preferred ketchup and one really preferred I mustard. I do or... love a good mustard. Like I like spicy mustard, sweet mustard, Dijon honey mustard. So I am pro mustard um, all the way. You heard it here. She's a mustard <laughs> aficionado. Uh, and if you've listened to the past two episodes, I, this is the point where I've prompted you, the listener, to pause and reflect on your experiences as well. Kind of thinking about times that you've had or experienced playful connected flow. When was the last time? What did it look like? Who was there? What um, devices were present, if any? Just kind of take a moment um, after this and just pause for a second and just think about those. If you have listened to the last two episodes and you've already done this once or twice, think about since the last episode you listened to, think about the moments of connection you may have had. Did you identify them? Was it hard? Was it easy? Um, think about that experience specifically related to connection. Um, and then you can think about flow after after this episode is over. So we're coming back now and we're gonna start talking about flow. So let's start with a basic definition. How is it commonly defined and how would you kind of explain it in your own words? Mm. I would say that flow is sometimes described as mindfulness and action. And I've heard it also talked about that it's this sacred intersection of like deep enjoyment and disciplined conversation. I think there's a lot of words that we kind of use to describe flow, like this idea of being in the zone or just really um, just like in the moment, totally there with it. So I think all of those things describe flow, but flow is really about being deeply immersed in whatever you're doing and concentrating and really almost having this like being unaware of yourself. It's, it doesn't have any sort of like 
self-consciousness about it. Um, and there are definitely important attributes of flow. Like you have to be both challenged and engaged. There needs to be that sweet spot of stretching your skills where you have the capacity to do whatever you need to be doing in the moment that it's engaging and difficult enough so that you don't get bored, but it's not so hard that you feel overwhelmed. Yeah, in the book, Catherine Price calls it a state of total engagement. So we heard that word already. Um, and one in which you are so engrossed in the activity that you kind of lose track of time. And so we've seen in the research too, uh, particularly around the book, and this was actually mentioned in the last episode, um, the worker um, from Dr. Csikszentmihalyi characterizing it as like focused attention, a clear mind, a mind and body in unison, um, effortless concentration, complete control, the loss of self-consciousness, that like distortion of time. And I think this is a really important attribute as well is this intrinsic enjoyment mm -hmm. of what you're doing. Um, and, and you don't really, you're not seeking out flow for the external reasons. Um, and that's what keeps you coming back to is that sort of internal drive um, and the, the sort of benefits that you get from it. Um, is why I think, I mean, I think that's a, a kind of a distinguishing point to make and, and something that we, we should definitely highlight. I think it's good too, to, to kind of highlight too, that it is like there's short-term heightened or peak experiences rather than these like long-term perpetual states. So I think that's um, sometimes when we're talking about these concepts too, you think like almost like happiness, like you feel like you're supposed to be in it all the time. And if you're not, you're failing. It's not really the case. Like you're not going to be in these for extended periods of time, but you do want to seek these out and try to create and experience these more often. And that's where um, some of the, you know, the benefits come over. Um, but yeah, we see, we also see that like the opposite of flow is like that distraction and, and feeling disjointed as well. So when you think about flow in your own life, what comes to mind? What are some of the situations you are more likely to get into a flow state? Yeah, so, for me, one of the things that can put me into flow faster than almost anything is organizing something. So if whether it be a junk drawer or a closet or a refrigerator, um, it, there's something magical about getting things into order. Um, and if we really want bonus points, putting it in color order. I know that sounds <laughs> ridiculous, not because I am... OCD per se, but because I love the beauty that comes from things um, just looking kind of aesthetically pleasing. So organizing something, I was a swimmer all growing up and um, so long distance swimming, swimming laps, not always, but a lot of times can put me into flow. Um, making things, I'm a maker, so making candles or making essential oil blends or um, even like making something in the kitchen, chopping things can, can often be a flow state for me. And I think one of my favorite ways to flow is deep conversations with people. Um, and that was something really interesting that I, that I read um, in Dr. Cheek sent me high's book flow about the power of conversation. And I, I strive to achieve that when I'm coaching people is really reaching that place of kind of this deeper questioning, really listening below the words, engaging with people. That is definitely um, a state of flow too. Yeah. That's kind of like a, the hallmark of motivational interviewing, right? Like being really engaged in like the ability to reflect back to them and ask those open-ended questions and, and kind of dive a little bit further in or there's like affirming what they've said and those kinds of things. Um, but I have to, I have to jump back to kind of an early part of your example too. I, I love when book displays are like organized by like the color of the, yes. the jacket. Um, I, I it's like a, a secret pleasure of mine it's to like, so to like walk by a nice little display that's like organized by color. And you're like, you could have organized this in a lot of ways, but you went with color and I appreciate you for doing that. Absolutely. Even if it's harder for me to find the book that I'm looking for. I was like, I, I appreciate the aesthetically pleasing look of this. Yeah, I'm a really visual person. So the idea that things are arranged by color just makes sense in my brain as well. So yeah, I love a good color organizer. Yeah, I think for me, like the that like subjective experience as well that I think about is for me, like getting into a flow state is 
revolves heavily around music. And obviously I did an entire episode around this. I ask a music related question at the end of every one of these interviews, but uh, it's interesting because it's, I, I don't necessarily hit flow state as often when I'm trying to play music. Um, I, cause I just, I, I don't spend a lot of time like practicing or anything like that. I, it's kind of just a, a chance to, to do something different and to work my brain a lot of times. And it, it may be only in a short amount of time. Um, but listening to music particularly is a chance for me to really get into a flow state. So if I, I take the opportunity to kind of disconnect from everything else and I put my headphones into like silent mode and um, kind of remove other stimuli and like maybe go sit in a dark room and just really try to experience music, I get very much into a flow state. Um, and that's one of the things that I missed so much about the pandemic was not going to live concerts. That was like, that was a huge part of like what I did, what I considered I did for fun um, prior to the pandemic. And like not getting to go to a concert for two years has been like very difficult. So I like invested in better speakers and like more mm-hmm. records and like really set up my space so that I could still try to capture a little bit of that um, for myself. But also it's, I'll tell a, a kind of a random story related to this. When I went to San Francisco, we found this um, this music related nonprofit that they basically tried to, to create this, um, this idea of flow within music and feel really connected to the music by encompassing you with, I mean, it was like 30 plus speakers or something. Like they had like eight columns of speakers and like multiple ones overhead and like four subroofers in each corner. And we caught Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here. Um, It happened to be the one that they were playing while we were there. And it was, I mean, it was literally incredible. It was like feeling and being a part of the music um, or being in those sessions when they're recording it. Um, And that was like peak experience for me tying in music. So that's an idea and, and a, actually a moment sort of of true fun, um, I think as well as like obviously the playfulness of sitting there listening to music with other people in yes. the room. Um, and then obviously that flow of like, I, I mean, I legitimately lost track of time just by like following a single instrument for, you know, a couple of minutes. Um, that's the beauty of Pink Floyd. You got, you got about eight minutes of track to, <laughs> to follow some different things before it's over. Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of a, a recent one for me, but yeah, that like a uh, subjective experience really though, you, you may find it in other ways. Um, you talked about the marathon, so that's probably a common one that like doing something with your body. So that runner's high is an example of getting into a flow state um, while moving or dancing is another good example of that. Um, there's, I mean, it's sort of endless. I mean, you can talk about like nat- getting in nature and going on a long hike. Um, it could be things that involve some sort of element of risk, maybe like a yeah. you know a skydiving or something, or um, the low risk thrills, like even riding a um, like a roller coaster or something. Um, but it could be performing or being the center of attention, or you may find it more when you're learning versus practicing skills, um, or you know Michael Jordan style game six, tongue out um, <laughs> within the middle of competition. That's another one for me for sure. Um, or it could be with like novelty, doing something new um, or exploring something new. So. Again, just like we've talked about with the previous two elements of true fun, it's very subjective. So for sure, um, I think that's a, a again a big key distinction to make about each of these pieces and then true fun collectively, um, and how it how it is very unique to the individual. I think that's an important point because oftentimes when I'm working with coaching clients, I'll ask them about what flows for you, and. Sometimes I I recently had a client whose idea of flow was Excel spreadsheets. And when the spreadsheet like worked out exactly as it needed to, she was elated. That's our colleague Ryan. Oh my God. (laughs) So, right. So these are, that does not flow for me, right? That is the antithesis of flow for me, right? I have to like psych myself up to spend a lot of time in, you know, big spreadsheets. But I think that's an important piece of like what flows for me might look really, really different than what flows for you. So giving yourself permission to get curious about it and notice. Um, Because when Cheek Sent Me High was first studying flow, he was looking at artists and rock climbers and athletes and was really, really amazed that all these people doing such varied activities were experiencing these powerful benefits. And he was like, what is this? What's going on? So pretty cool. 
how's that experience been like getting into a flow state for you in the past couple of years? Have you found it like more challenging than it previously was or have you found it easier? What's that been like for you? Oh, it's been awful. It's been like painfully difficult. I think part of it was having babies, um, two babies yeah. at one time. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot, not a lot of flow happening because the antithesis of flow is distraction and interruption. And so when I'm experiencing a lot of, like, so maybe I have a goal and something I'm really trying to work towards, whether it's something simple like emptying the dishwasher or something more complex like writing a meaningful blog post or, or putting together class, class curriculum, doesn't matter, like whatever the objective is, when there's interruption, it gets so frustrating. And the last two years have been all about interruption, right? Interruption to our daily routine, interruption to work, interruption to family, to connection. And so I've found myself getting down a lot and feeling frustrated and kind of like, why can't I figure this out? I do this professionally. So I feel like a big part of this that maybe I wouldn't have understood about flow is about self-compassion too. There has to be this gentleness and this allowing for when life comes up and we don't get to, you know, focus on our goals maybe as much as we would like to because our kiddos aren't in school or there is no daycare and all of a sudden we're like having to pinch hit and figure out a bunch of things. So I would say like if this concept of flow feels really elusive or you're like, I don't have space in my life to block out time, right? Give yourself that permission to be like, okay, what what can be a micro flow? What are things that you can do? What are small things that can help you get into a state of flow, even if it's not this like really big, productive, like deeply concentrated time? There's still moments that flow can happen. I've had sort of a similar experience over the last couple of years and started off like really well. Um, and then as the pandemic continued on, I like realized how distracted I was starting to get, even though so many other distractions were getting removed. Um, I found I found ways to fill those voids with with things that just distracted me even more. I wanted to kind of keep going back to things like the cell phone or what have you. Um, and then it, same as you having having a kid um, in the pandemic, like that immediately cuts off like any any like really good big chances to get into like a really like significant flow state for me so i've i've definitely struggled with this over the last like six or eight months particularly of like just trying to find any sort of time where i can get into flow because i've had no i don't think i've really had much trouble getting into that like playfulness um, or finding ways to be connected but getting into a flow state has been much more challenging and i think that's just kind of inherently thinking about these three pieces flow is kind of the most nebulous of them. Um, and so it, it can also be, at least in my experience, probably one of the more challenging ones to actually elicit. Because um, I don't think you, I don't think you can artificially create it either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So microflow is really, really helpful when maybe big flow isn't possible or you're really resisting doing the thing you you know you need to do. So maybe there isn't this enjoyment like there usually is in big flow. Um, but microflow helps us when we're bored and it's like these little ways to get our brain involved in it. So you can kind of like hack flow a little bit in things like, oh, what's a good example? Like <laughs> setting a timer. The timer is my fastest way into a microflow hack where I will set a timer to do something I don't want to do and kind of force my brain into this concentrated state. Or maybe it's like even like picking up the living room, right? And like set a timer and see how fast you can do it or turn on some music to make it a little bit more fun and enjoyable. Um, I have this like really ridiculous thing where I will, I'm, it's doing when I'm putting things away and I will try to, pick up as many things as I can 
in that are going to one part of the house and try to like challenge myself to get all of those things there in one trip, um, which sounds kind of corny, but I find it so satisfying to be able to be like, oh yeah, I just brought things out to the mudroom and I had like six things that I gathered up from the house and I brought it all there in one trip. So these are like little ideas to microflow for yourself of like, how can you get your brain involved? How can it be a little bit more fun? And um, so you can kind of still engage and have a little reward at the end. This is a very dad answer for me, but mowing the grass, I think is another one where I like take this task that I have to do and I like sort of switch my mindset related to it and, and do try to get my brain in or like, how straight can I make this, totally. this mowing line right now? Or what, I like, feel you. how can I get this pattern or whatever? Um, and so if I, especially if I like sort of have the time to, to take a little more time to mow and that sort of thing, I'm not, a, I'm not pressed or it's not about to rain or something like that. I'll use like just every day kind of task like that or every week kind of task to, to try to find moments just to get into a flow state in, in some regard. But let's talk a little bit about some of the benefits of getting into flow states, um, both in and out of the workplace. So in general, why would you say that flow is an important concept for folks to learn about and then experience? So I think flow takes that really I don't know, very Zen concept of being in the moment and applies it to getting stuff done, right? Whether that's at work or at home. Um, so it's this idea of like being in the moment, focusing completely on a single task and finding a sense of calm and connection in the moment. I think we're all looking for more of that. But as we were talking about before, and I'm sure we'll get to it much more in a minute, but we are so distractible. And so flow is really about a practice. It's about something that we can cultivate for ourselves to help us be more attentive to what's in front of us. So I think about flow as like a flashlight, right? Our concentration can't be put in a bunch of different places. Like you can only shine your concentrated attention in one direction. Um, and so this idea of like multitasking is really a myth, right? We, we can't focus and be good at anything when we're, when we're divided into a bunch of different directions. So I think flow is that invitation to shine our flashlight in one specific place so that we can get the benefit of really being with that thing that we've chosen to be with, whether that's our kiddo or a spreadsheet or swimming laps or listening to music, like whatever we're doing, I think flow helps us with this concentrated practice of flow, helps us to really be there now. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of sounds like it's really good at helping ground us um, and also, you know, rejuvenate us. And I think Csikszentmihalyi also talks about it as being like, a potential like secret to a happy life. So yeah. we see this across different cultures as well, like with the Japanese and the concept of ikigai or um, with the French and raison d'etre. Um, those are those are concepts around like purpose and meaning too, which I think ties in really well to, to flow. And I think flow helps us elicit some of that, um, that meaning, meaning and purpose in the things that we're doing, especially when we are really able to kind of, you know, get into a flow state and really feel engaged with, with whatever it is that you are doing. Absolutely. I mean, research on flow is, is pretty interesting, right? They suggest that there are changes in the brain when we're in a state of flow, right? So this idea that when we're in flow, we have this increase in activity in our dopamine, right? That brain chemical that is involved in pleasure and motivation. So when we experience flow, it helps us to experience more calm, more focus, more joy, more engagement. Those are really powerful things that increase our sense of well-being and help us feel happier, um, help us feel more alive. And I don't know anybody who isn't wanting to feel more alive right now. I certainly am. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, you're kind of talking about like what's happening in the brain. And it's like, it's really just like a cocktail of all these feel good neuro neurochemicals that are getting released. And so you have like this short term reward of it. But then you also have that sort of longer term afterwards that the, the feel good, the happiness that comes later. Um, so it, it definitely benefits you in the short and long term. 
Um, but I, I mean, kind of thinking more broadly too, kind of outside of our, our minds and bodies, but um, like great achievements often come from flow. One of those hallmarks of it is like we become less likely to fear failure, um, which really opens us up to more possibilities. And I mean, I think if you look, you probably look back across time, any of the like sort of major life changing, you know, inventions or anything like that had absolutely had to have had an element of flow. There's no doubt about it. Um, the, you know, the creation of the iPhone or the wheel, um, it doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> yeah, somebody, yeah. somebody was in kind of deep concentration and, uh, you know, the, the light bulb, all of those things would be, would be things that somebody like took a lot of time, um, to think about and spend a lot of effort and, and probably had these moments where they lost track of time, um, in their lab or in their, you know, their office or where it, where it was, um, even, I mean, great literature, I'm sure Shakespeare was sitting around in flow states writing these. Um, if, again, if you're not one of those, you know, non-believers that Shakespeare didn't actually exist or, or write any of his work, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, any, take any, take any great author, um, they're definitely hitting flow states as they're as they're writing these books, and I think Catherine Price even kind of mentions um, examples of that um, in the book as well. Yeah. I, oh, I was just gonna say, like, I think Edison or Shakespeare or whomever, like, they were lucky in a way because I think some of the modern day distractions weren't knocking at their door. I'm sure they had distractions, but the idea they probably weren't getting like calls, emails, <laughs> IMs, like coworkers, whatever, right? And so this idea of like protecting, especially when we're doing the deep work that you're talking about, right? Like this really, not just washing the dishes, but like really working on something that's important to us, that's gotta be protected in order for the brilliance to show up in order for the muse to be yeah. connected with. And um, I think if anything gets in our way of actually reaching flow about stuff we really care about, it's distraction, or at least that's the thing, the interruption. Um, that's what really, yeah, that's the tricky part for me. Yeah. What about in the office? What effect does flow have on the work that we do or our, even our experience in the workplace? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's flow is where you get important work done, right? It's where you do what you are there to do. And you can lose yourself in important and challenging tasks in a good way, um, kind of like what we were talking about. If you can, if you can really harness those, those interruptions by the minor things, the things you can control. There are a lot of interruptions you can't control, but the stuff that you are able to control to help you focus in the workplace, um, I think is, is really key for making flow successful in the workplace too. Yeah, I mean, in the workplace, like it, it's pretty obvious, like you, you talked about like getting the work that needs to get done, done. Um, so you see these, you know, obvious improvements to productivity and maybe the quality of work that you're doing, or we've already talked about it, like innovation or problem solving um, or engagement, um, those types of things that getting into flow states more often in the workplace can help elicit these more often as well, um, which nobody's going to complain about, um, whether it's you or whether it's your supervisor or your manager or your director or whomever. Um, but I, I, again, I kind of go back to the idea of it bringing meaning to your work too. So if you are able to really connect to it, um, having that meaning and purpose in the work that you do um, really, again, helps you feel really connected and um, want to do better work and want to be there, um, which really improves your experience and that sort of thing too. Absolutely. I was just going to say like that idea of increased satisfaction that happens when you produce work in a flow state can be its own reward. It feels really, really good to experience that engagement like you're on fire and in the zone and doing the work. And I think that increased engagement then leads to better work. It leads to better connection with your coworkers. It leads to better outcomes. I think it can fuel creativity because you're less self-conscious being in a flow state. Um, and I think there's something too around confidence, right? That 
what you're working on, especially if it's challenging, that it's it's achievable. Because that's the piece of flow, right? Is that you are working on something that's difficult, but you can also like leverage your skills to show up in that challenge as well. That feels good. And on the opposite end too, we I mean we see like what a lack of flow can do, which is oh you know goodness. lead to stress and burnout. And we've we've talked about those quite a few times on these on these various episodes and I mean, we, we're trying to avoid those things as well. So the opportunity to get into a flow state is really worth it and really um, worth protecting as well because you talked about um, that a little bit um, and really protecting your time so that you have the ability to do that. And I think that's become increasingly more difficult as the, you know, the pandemic has gone on and people are working from home versus working in the office. And um, you, you sort of almost feel this need to to do more in the amount of time that you have because you don't have the, what you would have considered distractions in the past, like the, the water cooler talk or popping right, right. into somebody's office to talk. Those are, those are really powerful, beneficial things of being in the workplace too. And um, so if we remove those a little bit, you think like, oh, I should be in a flow state all the time now and getting all these things done. And then you just, you, you sort of find ways to fill that time with, with other distractions or um, you're, that feeling of kind of always constantly being on to, um, I think is something that, that definitely happens in sort of that virtual workspace. And you can, I'm assuming, can speak to this a lot more because you've had way more experience with working remotely. Yeah, so I've been working remotely since the summer of 2015. And I really thought like, oh my goodness, this is gonna be cake, like so easy, right? But just what you said, Jacob, like this idea of like, so if distraction kills flow, then technology is the king of distraction of like, or just this idea of things that are constantly vying for your attention, all of these alerts and notifications. And so that was a big piece of my learning of like, how can I stay focused to do what I need to do when my email notification is going off or the IM people want to talk there or, you know, this, all of the things, all of the things. So I think harnessing technology is a big piece for how to actually get into flow at work, whether you're remote or not. Yeah, what suggestions do you have for doing that? <laughs> I know, right? Magic answers, <laughs> right? Hit it. Um, I wish I had magic answers. I've definitely got some ideas. Um, I think anything you can do to improve your focus and decrease distractions. So for me, that looks like snoozing notifications, um, turning on do not dis disturb modes for sure. Um, scheduling time blocks. So for me, having blocks, especially around things I don't want to do, those really difficult emails that I need to write or, you know, the tasks that, that I find to be boring but are absolutely ne necessary, like blocking those and putting those all together. Um, uh, setting a timer for me, I've mentioned it before, it is truly my number one way to get myself into flow, especially on those things that I don't want to do. So for me, being in flow on a difficult task for two hours isn't going to work. So I need to like usually give myself 20 to 25 minutes. And it's like if I can get, if I can really focus in, set the no distractions, set the timer for 25 minutes um, and get going on it, that is a really great way for me to like dive into something that I don't want to do. You alluded to this too, like putting on headphones, um, minimizing as many distractions from the outside world, like close your door, put on some music. I can't work to music with words, mm, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really like ambient sound though. I really like that lo-fi kind of like deeper melody. I, I like that. Or even just like, you know, YouTube, they've got like coffee shop noise, right? And people are banging cups and plates and like that does it for me. Yeah, for I sent sure. you the one recently of like yes, where, where the, the call office. map has has like the, the sounds of the office and that was like really funny to, to like put that on. And it was actually like, it's pretty brilliant to think about like if you are working in a virtual environment as well and you like, you maybe you missed that 
um, that like just sort of constant hum or noise yep. that you might have heard in an office space, um, if that was something that was comfortable to you, and then you you sort of remove yourself out of that space and it's dead silent, and that like is you know sort of anxiety inducing for you. Use technology to your advantage here. There's so many features built into. Apple and Microsoft products um, to do that. I, I feel like I get an email, and I'm sure everybody else does as well, from like in my Outlook every day. Um, and it, it always has like some kind of reminder like, hey, block some time for this focus yeah. today or block some time for this. And it's like giving me suggestions. Um, and that's not something that I don't think people did a lot of times, like especially pre-pandemic. But yeah, I, that's something that's worked for me as well. Um, I'll, I'll hit the like the do not disturb feature on on my computer or on my phone or um, even sometimes just closing my email so that I'm not tempted um, and not leaving it open so that anytime a visual distraction, even if I've removed sort of the audio source, I may have a notification yep. that pops in the oh. corner or if I have it on two screens and I see I see the movement on the other screen, I'm going to immediately um, it's going to sort of break whatever flow I might be in. So. Um, it's really kind of alluding to it is really making technology work to your advantage yes. rather than it being the detriment. Because it, again, we've talked about this on the previous two episodes. Technology is not inherently bad. Right on. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's definitely not going anywhere. We're yeah. not going back to like you know being cavemen and women or what have you. Right. Like, uh, it's not necessarily going away. So how can we use them better um, so that they serve us better and they don't. Um, suck time from us when we don't want it to suck time from us. 100%. 100%. I think for me, I've really enjoyed the question of like, what is an important task? And to like prioritize what is it that I really need to do and getting clear about why it's important to me. Um, that can kind of provide, we talked about this earlier, but provide meaning of like, what is this about? Like this email that I don't want to write, like what is this about? And how can I apply some meaning to it so that it's not just this perfunctory thing that I have to do, but actually, oh, this gives resources to somebody who's really struggling right now. Okay, I can get behind that a lot more than like, oh, one more email that I have to write. Um, and also this idea of finding peak time of like, when are you most productive? When are you in your zone? Um, and really capitalize on that. Like I am a night owl. I like wake up and start getting ready to rumble at like 8 p.m. One of our <laughs> colleagues on the wellness team, she and I joke that sometimes we'll like IM each other at 1 a.m. because we're both up doing our stuff, like working hard. So that idea of like, how can you figure out where you're most um, kind of like with your biorhythms, where are you most effective? When are you most awake and uh, and on fire? And use that to do the stuff that that matters to you. Um, and you were talking about technology. Oh my gosh, Jacob, this is this is the holy grail. I I wish I had like easy answers on this one. It's something that I'm really trying to figure out. But Catherine Price has an amazing book all about using technology for the good. Um, she calls it how to break up with your phone, but she has this idea of taking your phone and figuring out ways to make it work for you. Cause like we said, it's not going anywhere. I um, mean, she's got this like three day free challenge. Have you done it? I haven't done it now. It's awful. <laughs> and important, and I started it, full disclosure, I started it, made it a day and a half, and I was like, okay, I can't do this right now. I'm gonna have to come back to it. Um, but my goal is to knock it out in the next couple of weeks because the idea of how are we more mindful around our phone, and she has this concept called WWW of like, what are you using your phone for? Why are you using it right now? And what else? Like, what else could you do to meet the need that you're trying to meet? Um, and she has this recommendation of putting a rubber band on your phone. And it really works because yeah. your brain is like, what in the world is that rubber band doing on your phone? So you go to pick up your phone and like, you know, get onto Instagram or check your phone or whatever. And you're like, oh, yeah, rubber band. Oh, yeah. Why am I using this phone? Do I have to use it? Is there something else I could be doing that 
is going to get me what I need as well. So that is, a, I think, my next frontier around working with distraction and clearing up more time in my life for this idea of aliveness is, I think, getting really honest about how much time I spend on my phone. Some of it, very important. A whole chunk of it, maybe not so important. Yeah, I think this is a good prompt for the listener as well to think about, like, if, if you're particularly, you've been listening to these episodes and you're thinking, like, I don't have time for any of this. Um, start with that question. Start with how, mu how much time am I spending on the phone? Maybe you're not. Maybe that's not the barrier for you and that you can check that off the list and, and kind of work around and find what the barrier is for you so that you can kind of work around that time. But a large chunk of us probably could find some time by like using our phones a little bit less for again for the the less um, fulfilling purposes so to speak and I love the rubber band trick because like good luck trying to swipe across your phone <laughs> with like a rubber band right in the middle of it um, but yeah I mean it, it's definitely it's definitely really interesting and that's it's something that I've tried to be more conscious of as well and just like rearranging the apps on my phone and that sort of thing too or even on my computer um, and just thinking about like how I'm using things and making sure that I'm using them in the ways that I want to use them rather than them like, you know, using us. Um, I watched a, a, a Netflix stand-up special with Aziz Ansari the other day, his newest one. Um, and he, he talks about this idea of like how our phones are taking us over and like we're supposed to be feeling more connected and yes. end up not feeling connected. And he like, yes. in the middle of it, he's like, guys, what I did was... I went back to team flip and he like pulls, you know, spoiler alert, by the way, he pulls, he pulls a, <laughs> so a, a flip phone out and, and no he like frames way. jokes. He frames a couple more jokes around that idea later on. But I was like, wow, this is like so like zeitgeisty um, and, and so like just connects so well into like what Catherine Price talks about in her two books. Um, and then what like until we kind of really recognize it, we, we don't really know how much our phones are necessarily taking over our lives. Yeah. Um, so it's important to, again, to, to consider how you're using it and um, the ways that you can, again, make it work for you rather than against you. Absolutely. And, and I think having, having that compassion again towards ourselves and, our, and these devices, um, you know, there is a reason why we are addicted to our phones. And that is the way they were designed to be, mm -hmm. right? The way that they hit that vagus nerve, the same nerve that is activated with slot machines is what is activated in our phones and in our social media apps. And it, it gets us coming back, coming back, constantly looking for more. And so just noticing, I, I think that mindfulness around what do what am I looking for right now? And like you said, like, so often we're looking for connection or we're looking to um, feel a sense of belonging or looking for some joy, right? Well, maybe the phone can help with that or maybe there's a better way to meet that need too. So I think it's really about the awareness of like, what are we using our phone for and is it getting us closer to what we actually want? Sometimes yes, a lot of times no. Yeah, and I mean, I think we're we're ragging on cell phones particularly, but we're talking about distractions in general too. So I right. mean, it may not be phones for you. It could be clutter in the house. That that's one for me. I like I can't focus if the house is like a wreck. Um, it could be you know hunger, um, or sleep deprivation, or excessive stress, or just that like self consciousness and judgment of yourself. So again, kind of going back to like taking it easy on yourself and giving yourself some compassion just as you would um, a friend or a colleague as well. Absolutely, and the awareness is the first place to start. So just like when I quit the three-day challenge a day and a half in, I'm like, okay, I've got more awareness now and I know, I know where work, my work lies. I know what's in front of me. So I didn't know that two weeks ago. So, all right, that's a place to begin. Yeah, you also talked about, you mentioned this earlier, about multitasking, and I think that's another good sort of tip to, to focus on one thing at one time. I am so guilty of this. I don't know how many times I try, especially if I'm like really in sort of a creative mode even, sometimes I'll my brain will start going a lot faster than my fingers are gonna work. Yep. And so I'll, I'll have multiple things going at one time and I have to like consciously take a step back, like literally take a step back sometimes and be like, Jacob, deep breath. Like, what do you need to focus on in this moment? 
focus on that, close out all the other stuff, either literally close it out or close it out in my brain and focus on this one thing because you're not going to get these four things done simultaneously. Absolutely. Do them one step at a time. Um, and maybe it is starting with the easiest ones that I get that win and I feel like, okay, now right. I can do it. Yes, 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 and yes. You're like asking, you're, you're like, especially when you start to get that sort of overwhelming feeling and that anxiety, like reminding yourself, I have done this before. Yes. I got this done by doing one small step at a time or whatever. It's reframing again your brain because you had a, you had some sort of interruption that created this distraction in your brain and then you can kind of continue to ruminate and spiral out with that too. And I, like I said, I'm very, very um, much one of those people that that happens to. And so I have to like, it's a very conscious effort still to this day. I don't, I'll probably, it'll probably be a long time before it becomes a habit for me just because it is something that happens to me, you know, sort of so frequently, yeah. but um, I can yep. def I definitely see the merit in doing these um, types of things or practicing these types of skills because it, um, it definitely does get easier over time too. For sure. I, I think when you speak to that idea of the overwhelm or the frenzy that we experience, boy, I think one of the most powerful things we can do is put down Put down the device, Put step away from the screen in the moment and see if you can come back to the body, right? This idea of like taking a breath, tuning into what can you see and feel and touch and smell, like those basic body senses and, and seeing if you can have this simplified experience because the, the multitasking, you're right, is... It, we're socialized to think like it's a good thing and we can do it and research just doesn't play it out. <laughs> it's it's actually making us more stressed out and more disconnected. So hone in as much as you can to one thing in the moment. Yeah, and using your senses is, a, is another strategy for getting into a flow state too. Um, if you spend that time like even on a, on a walk or something to like try to use as many of your senses as you can and, and point those out, like what am I seeing? What am I smelling? What am I hearing? Um, and that gets you a little more in tune. And again, you're using mindfulness to kind of catalyze this flow state um, that you could potentially get into. Absolutely. I mean, the body is in the moment. Our brain is not. Our brain's usually in the future worrying or in the past ruminating about what you could have, should have, would have done differently, right? So yes, bringing yourself back to your body is for sure the fastest way to, to get yourself back in flow. So are there any other like examples or, or ways um, or strategies or tools that you think people could use to either get into a flow state or extend a flow state once they've started one? Hmm. I think having flow with our relationships um, is a really powerful way to experience connection. And when you are talking with people. And if you have capacity, I always tell people like, don't try to enter into a deep conversation if you are too tired and you really don't even wanna listen, right? That is not the time to go into a deep conversation. But if you feel like you have capacity and are interested and curious, ask those open-ended conversations. That that conversation of when somebody tells you something and you're like, oh, that's great. That's a that's like a closer, right? But instead, see if you can open up and be like, ooh, wow, so interesting, tell me more. Or even simple things like, and then what happened? And what did you notice? How did you feel? What was exciting to you about that, right? Anything that's going to draw the person out um, and listen below the words. So if you have a feeling that maybe they're experiencing some sadness or some excitement, honor that, call it out, be like, oh wow, that sounds really exciting. Or it's something you know that invites that person to tell you a bigger part of the story um, and put your devices away. I went to a party once where they had a basket by the front door and it said, um, deposit phone here. And, and that was a really, this is like pre-pandemic, <laughs> seems like so long ago, <laughs> but it was a really great party because people were present they were with you. You know when somebody's with you, right? They've got all those nonverbals and um, they're engaging with you. And I think that is a powerful way to, to engage with people is like see if you can minimize the distraction and then really tune in and listen. And I think it's, um, yeah, it opens up things in people that you aren't gonna get to 
um, when when other things are competing for your attention. Yeah, and you could you could kind of flip it around the other side too. If you're not the person that is able to get to flow as often, flow is contagious. So spending more time around folks who get into flow. Um, so that could be like, you know, working together in a coffee shop or something like that. If you're around someone who is able to achieve flow, you're going to be a little more likely to to achieve it yourself because it is, like I said, it's kind of a, a contagious um, idea. And I mean, I, I, I'll go with a, a pop culture reference as I typically try to do in each episode. And, the <laughs> and Dis- we love you for it. <laughs> the Disney Pixar movie Soul is a really great example of this. Um, and you see like the character Moonwind is like trying to help people on their journeys. And so they, the, the whole movie is about like flow and purpose. Um, and you see Moonwind like he's just like a, a sign dancer. He's just like a, a walking advertisement basically for his job. And he uses that as a moment to get into, get into flow. And then he helps the other characters find their flow as well. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a contagious thing. So you could either help someone else facilitate that if you know that they struggle with getting into flow, or you can use other people who are good at flow to help, you know, again, kind of catalyze it for yourself too. Absolutely. And I think having big flow and little flow ideas around is helpful, right? Because I think when we're distracted, when we're in a state of frenzy, it's hard to think about, oh, what's flowing right now? So even having it like on your phone in a in an app or whatever, like what are little things that can spark flow for you? So for me, it's definitely music, right? A, a dance party, something um, something that helps my body move and, and getting out of my head. So having these little things that can spark flow doesn't have to be a, a big nature walk, although that's great if you have you know the time and space for that in the moment, but having a list of little things that flow for you can be a nice way to, to hop into it. Yeah, so since you were also one of the bar crew who read the book and um, you also recently hosted a spark retreat, um, I'd like to close out our series talking about where our listeners can go from here. So. Where should folks listening start um, if they want to bring these three components together to create more true fun in their lives? Yeah, I think it is such a individualized journey. So thinking to yourself, when do you laugh? When, what lights you up? What makes you come alive? Um, and not comparing those things to other people's, right? Giving yourself permission to have this true fun experience for you. Um, You don't have to dress up in a mustard costume and scream at the top of your lungs. That is some people's absolute worst nightmare, right? So stay in your own lane and figure out what really helps you to come alive um, and then see if you can foster it in little ways and big ways. What are daily things that help you come alive? What are bigger weekly things? What are bigger monthly things, right? So having some ideas for yourself and also noticing um, when you are in those states, like when you are experiencing that aliveness, seeing if you can stretch it out, make it last for a longer part of time. Catherine Price has this idea of like, um, kind of like this joy spotting, right? Mm -hmm. And she has this, it it like really struck me because she'll say like, almost like hold your finger up and be like, oh, play or oh, connection or oh, there's flow. So when you see it happening in your own life, see if you can practice that presence of mind of calling it out. And if it helps you to put your pointer finger up and and say it out loud as it does for me, um, it's kind of a silly thing, but it helps you to get there and recognize and help your brain hook onto it. Um, because I think so often those things um, dissipate, right? That negativity bias, the, the difficult experiences stick to our brains like Velcro and the positive ones slide off like Teflon. So we really have to be intentional about when the things that we're looking for that spark our aliveness, when we see them, like harness them, stretch them out and, and really like help our brains hook them. Yeah, and if you're if you're struggling to like really don't know where to start as well, I've mentioned this in the past couple of episodes. The um, the fun compatibility quiz that Catherine Price offers as well. So I'll link that in the show notes, and um, because you can go through each of these sections of playfulness, connection, and flow, and you can highlight like, am I highly likely to find this fun, or 
um, is this a, a, a chance for connection for me? Or um, there's a rapid fire section in there where she gives you kind of general examples of true fun and you mark them as like fun or not fun. Um, so those can give you really good ideas for where to start if you're trying to do these like micro examples of flow um, or these micro examples of playfulness in your life. So you have somewhere somewhere to start because it's hard to conceptualize it sometimes and think like, oh, what exactly is flow for me or where do I feel most connected or um, how how do I find things playful? Like I may, maybe you don't feel like you're a playful person when in reality you probably have things that are playfulness for you because we've talked about it, it's like a mindset. Um, so that's a really a, a kind of a key resource for me and a really great starting point um, that I recommend you checking out that I'll put in put into the uh, show notes. But what other resources do you recommend for people to dive deeper into the topic of flow or um, of true fun? Yeah, I mentioned it um, a little bit ago, but this idea of how to break up with your phone, <laughs> I think it is a game changer, or at least it was for me, to recognize um, the barriers around what keeps me out of true fun, what keeps me out of flow, what keeps me out of playfulness, and what is sucking my time away. Um, because I think if we can begin to harness our time back, then we can carve out the spaciousness to have to have the true fun. Um, if you're interested in flow, there's a lot of great flow books. I guess I would recommend starting with the first kind of the seminal book of Dr. Cheek Sent Me High, his book Flow. Um, there's He did a really great TED talk on it as well. Um, so I would maybe start there and um, yeah, dig into it. It's, there's a lot of good stuff out there. So as our regular listeners know, we have our Wildly Resilient playlist. I started that right after your last episode. Um, so it's still growing. It's been, it's been going. This has been a fun feature for me to ask each guest to contribute. And I invite listeners to contribute as well. So you can always send us an email um, with your suggestions to add to that. But um, now's your chance to add to it. What song would you add that brings about a sense of, say, true fun or flow or even resilience in your life? Oh, man. Okay, so the very first song... I was thinking about, it's because I was maybe very literal, but Toni Braxton has a song um, called Let It Flow. And it's a good one. She's like, I think it's a breakup song. I listened to it in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, but it's this idea of like, she sings in there, let it go, let it go. Everything's going to work out right, you know? Like, it's, it's great. It's a great song. So Let It Flow by Toni Braxton. I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm saying yes. Um, and there's also, I really took this assignment literally, I think. The, the weekend did a song called The Zone. Are you familiar with this one? It's uh -huh. like nine minutes long. Drake is featured in it. Um, but it's like this really flowy, um, kind of like get you in this zone. I love it. It's a good one. So it's called The Zone and it's some of The weekend's earlier work, so... That's really good. And then we talked about it too, but I am a sucker for lo-fi study music, focus music, like seriously, you find it on Spotify. You can even YouTube, you know, like study music. And there is something magical that happens for me when I have to really focus in. Um, having some good ambient music, it does it for me for sure. Yeah, I'm going to contribute again as well. I, I would love to just stick the entire soundtrack to the movie Soul on there. Um, but John Batiste and Trent Reznor did a really great job with that soundtrack. So I'll pull one of the tracks on. Not Most of them don't really have any words to them. Um, and a lot of them are really kind of short segments. They're built around like the actual movie itself. But um, John Batiste covers It's All Right on there as well. And it's a really great version. So I'm going to sneak that one on, Ooh, I love it. on there I as well. That was, a, that was a great oldie to, to bring in. And um, if you're unfamiliar with John Batiste, I'd definitely recommend just checking out his work because he can run from jazz to soul to hip hop to, I mean, he's a really, really brilliant artist. So, um, and one of my like recent favorite artists for sure. So Ooh, check awesome. it out um, and check out that playlist and, and see what you might add that's missing. So last word, what's the kind of the one thing you hope each listener takes away from this conversation? Mm, I think that flow is a skill you can get better at. 
right? It's not something that people are born with. It's not like you're either good at flow or you're not good at flow, right? It's like tying your shoes or riding your bike. It's something that you can get stronger with. Every time you use the muscle, it gets stronger. So um, figure out what flows for you, what comes alive for you and practicing the concentration, um, I think is, yeah, where I would leave it. Um, you can, you can get better at flow. Practice makes possible. So give it your best go and get some support. If you're a UK employee and want some support with, um, with figuring out what flows and what doesn't flow, health coaching is what I love to help people with, um, around flow and aliveness. It's, it's my jam. So come on out. We'd love to, both my colleague Jackie, Carol, and myself, we'd love to help you kind of figure out what flows and how can you get more of it. Yeah, practice makes possible. And I'll brand it in the UK way. So we'll say practice makes wildly possible. <laughs> of course. I love it. But thank you so much for, for joining me and joining me in person and, and getting the chance to, to sit down and talk about flow and true fun. Oh, so happy to be here, Jacob. Thanks. Well, that'll do it for our three-part series on true fun and rediscovering our spark. I really enjoyed chatting with all four of my guests in the series and appreciate the knowledge and perspectives that they provided. I encourage you to take some time over the next few weeks to focus on playfulness, connection, and flow. Try recognizing the common distractions and interruptions you experience, and then take a few small steps toward minimizing them. Also think about how and where you're most likely to find each element and then identify where these three collide so that you can seek or schedule time to be in those scenarios or activities more. If you want to explore playfulness, connection, and flow further, HR Health and Wellness and HR Work Life are teaming up May 9th through the 27th to offer online workshops, in-person experiences, and on-demand content to help you rediscover your spark. You'll find opportunities like a workshop on creating your own board game, a space to connect over tea, and the return of a family movie night at Gatton Student Center's Worsham Theater. We'll also be out at UK Appreciation Day on Thursday, May 26th, so come see us as we help celebrate you. Check the show notes for the link to learn more. And speaking of the show notes, I also invite you to check out the HR calendar where you can browse any additional upcoming work life and well-being events from University of Kentucky Human Resources. Until next time, take care of yourself and others, and stay well. Thanks for listening to Becoming Wildly Resilient, a podcast series from University of Kentucky Human Resources, Health and Wellness. The UK HR Health and Wellness team, consisting of certified health coaches, fitness experts, registered dietitians, and wellness specialists, offer a wide range of online and in-person programming to University of Kentucky employees, retirees, and their spouses. If you enjoyed this episode, you can listen and subscribe to future episodes wherever you find your podcasts. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at UKY Wellness. There, you'll find links to episode show notes and more. You can also email healthandwellness at uky.edu with any questions or suggestions for future episode topics. To learn more about well-being benefits offered by University of Kentucky Human Resources, visit www.uky.edu slash hr slash well-being. Live well. <laughs>